When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WTPN Pinellas Park. Now this is an incredible scene, and I want you to use your imagination, and I, and I want you to use it this way. I'm going to quote from one Bible teacher who pictures the scene taking place this way. He says, this was a national holiday in Israel. I can see them now. They were streaming up to the top of that mountain with its commanding view of the Mediterranean Sea. They're coming up by every available route to witness the battle of the gods. Fifteen rounds, winner take all. At some point in their life, every character in scripture that God used for his glory had to take a stand. Some were prepared, some had to be trained, but they all did it through God's power. They all stood alone in the face of opposition from the enemies of God. Sometimes it was from their own friends and family. Elijah had to stand up to the whole nation of Israel and the false prophets of Baal. How did he survive that situation? We'll find out on today's broadcast. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this lesson at no cost to you. Today we begin another message in our continuing study of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. It's entitled, Standing Alone with God. And this first part of the message is about the challenge of standing alone. Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we'll be starting with verse 20. Here is Pastor Steve. I'd like you to turn, please, in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. And we have been studying about Elijah the prophet, that great Old Testament prophet, man who was not supernatural, but he lived a supernatural life. And we want to look at the event that, that he is remembered for, perhaps more than any other event. And that is found in 1 Kings chapter 18, starting at verse 20 to verse 40. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood. But put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other ox and lay it on, on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered and said, that's a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. 
Then they took the ox, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he's a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And it came about when midday was past that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your, your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitches, pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Then it came about at the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Later today, a Super Bowl will take place. It will be a contest between two football teams designed to determine which one is the champion of the football world. People from all across our nation and even in other countries will be watching the game on television and rooting for their team to win. Now, you may not realize this, but the original Super Bowl was played in Israel long time ago, a few thousand years ago for that matter, and the participants were not football teams at all, but rather there were Jehovah, the Lord God of Israel, versus Baal, the false god, who Israel was following. And they weren't playing to determine who ruled the football world, the sport world, but rather they were playing to see who ruled the hearts of the Jewish nation, God's people. And while there were many fans watching this contest between Jehovah and Baal, they weren't evenly divided. In fact, everybody but one was rooting for Baal. The one person rooting for the Lord God was that lone, solitary figure called Elijah the prophet. That's obvious of what I'm referring to because I've just read this. This account is the contest on Mount Carmel between Elijah's God, Jehovah, and really 
not Baal so much, but the 450 prophets of Baal. Because technically we can't say it's a, it's a contest between the Lord and Baal because Baal doesn't exist. There is no other God except the Lord God. Baal doesn't exist. So it's really a contest between the Lord and the false prophets. Even though from the people's perspective, and even though we might communicate it in a, in a different way, from the people's perspective, it was, a, it was a confrontation to determine who was the true and living God, either Jehovah or Baal. But Baal really doesn't exist. never has. But I want you to know that this isn't just a story to tell us about a contest. This is more than a contest between the true and the false. It's really a message about one man, Elijah, who stands alone. And he dared to stand alone with God. He dared to look at all the people of Israel and all the false prophets of Baal. And he dared to take his stand with God, even when it wasn't popular. Now, if you've been here for some time, you know that Elijah has been hid by, by the Lord for three years. There's been no rain in Israel. There's been no dew. There's been no water at all. There's death all around. And for three years, though, God has, has hid Elijah, and he sustained him. And the one major reason that he has hit Elijah is not just to sustain him, though that's the truth, but he has been in hiding. The Lord has hit Elijah to prepare him and to train him and to get him ready for this contest. And now his hour has come. And now we get to see Elijah emerge from seclusion and we observe Elijah as he takes his stand against Ahab, all Israel, and the false prophets. He has been prepared for this hour. And we need to carefully watch Elijah. We need to observe him and we need to learn from him. For while you and I will never have the opportunity to stand upon Mount Carmel and stand against 450 false prophets of Baal, as Christians... Those who claim to be on the Lord's side, we need to be reminded that we will stand alone for the Lord. In fact, many times we will have the opportunity to stand for him. Standing alone is one of the most difficult things that we could ever do because all of us want to be popular. All of us want the approval of our peers. No one in themselves likes to stand alone. And yet God calls us to do that in our own unique situations and circumstances, each of us has the opportunity to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when no one else stands with us. Even when, the, when others ridicule us. Even when others taunt us and laugh at us. You may never stand upon Mount Carmel. But you will have to stand alone at work. At school. Some of you in your homes. Some of you with relatives. Acquaintances. Working associates friends at school, and we need to learn from Elijah's example. We need to learn the principles of standing alone with God. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to go through this story verse by verse, looking at the story, but more than looking at the story, we want to be pulling principles out of the story, principles on standing alone with God. And that's really the title of this message. Standing alone with God. And I really think that that is the flow of Scripture because previous to this, what we've looked at is, is Elijah being prepared. God is focusing on Elijah. 
God is focusing on this man in the midst of apostasy, in the midst of all the other kings and leaders who have gone astray, in the midst of even even a man by the name of Obadiah who said he loved the Lord but was a compromiser. God presents to us Elijah, obedient, faithful, believing, trusting, a man who has absolute confidence in the Lord God. And now he presents him to us as one who's been prepared to stand alone. So if you're taking notes this morning, we'll divide the passage into three major points. But we're going to pull out of the passage principles on standing alone. We're going to look at the challenge, the contest, and the consequences. Very simple. The challenge, the contest, and the consequences. Now you'll recall that last week we saw that God had called Elijah out of Zarephath. He's been there for a while. He's been sustained by a poor Gentile widow. He's learning the lessons of humility, of believing God, of depending upon him. But now it's his turn to appear before Ahab. He saw him three years earlier as he announced to Ahab that there'll be no water, there'll be no rain, there'll be no dew in Israel until I give the word. And now God says, get up, go back to Israel, and stand before Ahab. As he does this, he first meets Ahab's head man, Obadiah, a compromiser, but a believer. And through Obadiah, he sends word to Ahab, and the message is this. Tell him, Elijah is here. The mystery man has reappeared. He was, he was off the, the scene of Israel. Now he's back. Look at verse 17. And it came about when Ahab, and we looked at this last week, by the way, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is this you, you snake in the grass? Remember that we said that? That is really the Hebrew word for you troubler, you snake in the grass. Not the sort of way you greet a friend that you haven't seen for three years. Because these were, these were enemies. Uh, Elijah was public enemy number one. Ahab despised him. Jezebel, we're going to see in a few weeks, Jezebel is going to threaten to take his life. And so that's how the greeting goes. But Elijah wasn't one to be intimidated. He knew where he stood. And so he responds back in verse 18. He said, I've not troubled Israel. I'm not the snake in the grass. You are in your father's house because you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you followed the Baals. It's, it's you. It's not me. Don't pin a guilt trip on me. It's you. And your father's house, you're to blame. That was the real problem, the sin of idolatry. It's not my word. It's not God's judgment. You're the real problem, he's saying. Now, I want you to understand something, because I, I think if you don't, you'll miss much of the, the intent of this story. Elijah really inter isn't interested in getting rain. That is not his primary concern. He has two concerns above all things. Rain is, is just secondary. Number one, he's interested in turning the people back to the Lord. He is concerned with God's reputation, not rain. Elijah is concerned that the Lord God is recognized by the Jewish people. That is a man concerned with God's glory, apart from, from any physical needs that he might have. But number two, he is concerned that Israel remains focused on the Lord. And so his second concern is to rid the land of the false prophets of Baal. And Elijah has a plan. Now, God is going to give him this plan. We don't learn this until the end of the story, but Elijah's not making this up. 
God is, is communicating in his own unique way, as he did in the Old Testament, to his prophet. Two concerns. Turn the people back to the Lord. Get rid of the false prophets so that the people will have their focus remain on the Lord. So he makes a challenge to Ahab. This is his plan. Verse 19. And I'm just sort of getting us up to this week's lesson. Then he said, gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And now Asherah was the, uh, the, the god of the grove. It's another false god. And, and I'm not even sure how they're connected. And Bible scholars are not even sure. But it's really not that important for our lesson because apparently they never show up. Maybe they knew what was going to take place. They never show up. All we hear about is Baal, Baal's prophets. And these are the ones, he says, who eat at Jezebel's table. And so that's the challenge. Now, Ahab, you, you get the people and you get the false prophets and you get them up here. So verse 20 says, so Ahab sends a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now, this is an incredible scene. And I want you to use your imagination. And I, and I want you to use it this way. I'm going to quote from one Bible teacher who pictures the scene taking place this way. He says, this was a national holiday in Israel. I can see them now. They were streaming up to the top of that mountain with its commanding view of the Mediterranean Sea. They're coming up by every available route to witness the battle of the gods. Fifteen rounds, winner take all. It's a scene of contrast. By far, the overwhelming majority are gathered on this side. Here are the 850 prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, clad in their expensive, beautifully colored garments. Around each neck hangs a piece of metal deliberately designed to catch and reflect the rays of the sun, for they worship the sun. Soon that group parts for the grand entry of the king. He's borne by his uh, servants on a litter. He's splendidly robed as well with all his regal garments. Then your eye shifts. On the other side is a lone, gaunt man, crudely clothed, coarse in appearance, hair disheveled, eyes like steel. Now that's the picture. That's the picture. So there are three groups there. All right, three main groups. Number one is the sons of Israel. The people are there. How many? We don't know, but probably thousands of people were on that mountain. Jewish people, not prophets, just Jewish people. And then the prophets of, of Baal. And, and maybe assembly, maybe the prophets of Asherah are there. We're just not told. They're not mentioned again. And then there's Elijah along with Ahab. So there's really four groups, but primarily you've got to understand the two groups, the people and the prophets. And Elijah addresses the people in verse 21. He came near to the people and he said, now he's not speaking to the prophets, this is, this is the people. And he said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The people did not answer him a word. You want to know a literal translation of the Hebrew text? Even if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you. A literal translation of the Hebrew text is this. How long will you consider to hobble between the two forks of the road? See, the word hesitate means hobble or, or totter. 
And sometimes they swayed over to this side to the Lord and they followed him a little bit. And sometimes they swayed over to this side to Baal and they followed him. Now, that was their basic problem. I don't want you to misunderstand. Their basic problem wasn't that they totally rejected the Lord. No, that wasn't it at all. Their problem was that they wanted both the Lord and Baal. They just wanted to add the Lord to, to uh, just another God, just like Baal. They wanted the, the best of both worlds in their, their way of probably putting it. They just mingled their worship of Baal with Jehovah and thought it was all right. And what Elijah is doing is calling the people to make up their minds because they can't have both Jehovah and Baal. He is challenging them to stop swaying and either go to one side and stay there. You know, that is why Elijah stood alone. That is the real issue of, the, of Elijah's day. It's the real issue of our day. But that's why Elijah stood alone, because he understood that the true God of Israel has no rivals. One of the Ten Commandments says that there is to be no other gods but me. I am a jealous God, the Lord God says. No other, I tolerate no other gods. I don't compromise in any way, and especially at that point. I'm a jealous God. And he doesn't tolerate any competition. And that was Elijah's message. And it made him stand out from the crowd of his day and stand alone. And he did. And I want you to know it is no different today. The 21st century church strongly resembles Israel and its desire to follow the Lord and the world. In fact, that is probably the greatest battle the church faces is, is compromising. Just, you know, following the Lord up to a point, but following the world also, and mingling the two, and they just don't mix. They just don't mix. The, the church sometimes, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church in general. The 21st century church obeys the Lord sometimes, but she wants to enjoy the pleasures of the world. And so what she often does is just drag the, the appealing things of the world into the church, and she rearranges her theology to fit her desires. And that's why we have so many people with false doctrine. Because they have to change their doctrine to fit their morality and to fit their, their crazy thinking, which is not in line with the word of God. Listen, I, I want you to know that when you accept Christ, this is why we feel so strongly about the issue of repentance and submission to his lordship. Accepting Christ is not just something you do. It's not just something that you do. Oh, sure, I'll, I'll do that. Sure, I'll, I'll be religious. No. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 we read about, this was a great church. But verse 9 of chapter 1, Paul is commending them. This is, a, this is one of the greatest churches. Paul says in verse 9, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you. And how you what? You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, Paul recognized that you can't follow the world and follow the idolatry that represented your old way of life and follow the Lord. You either have to turn from one, at least have that desire to turn from one, and you turn to the Lord. The Lordship of Christ demands that. And today's man of God, woman of God, boy or girl of God, has to be like Elijah. And our message has to be, if the Lord Jesus Christ is God, then follow him all the way. No compromise. Total obedience. And if he's not God... 
which a better way of putting it is if you don't believe he's God, because he is God, then you follow what you think is right. But, but don't play games with Christ. Either you have absolute commitment to him or don't say you're a believer. The word of God just calls for a higher standard than most people in a local church are, are ready to admit. That gives us something to think about, doesn't it? You may listen to today's class again by going online to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on Message Archive, then sort by date to find today's lesson. There are many messages available for free downloading. Sign up for our free podcast service as well as for the free quarterly newsletter. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. And our phone number is 727-239-0306. We would love to hear from you. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. If the Lord burdens your heart to help support this ministry financially, we would be very grateful for your obedience to his leading. Just go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and click on the Support Us button. For Pastor Steve and the entire Verse by Verse staff, I'm Jerry Pruden. Thank you for listening. We invite you to be here next time when we'll be looking at the contest as Elijah faces the 450 prophets of Baal. Join us then for our next Verse by Verse. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.